Richards Bowie Versus Tillian Is this year when I'm glowy Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy Or a villain Hello and welcome to another edition of Bowie vs. Dylan. I'm Charlie and I like Bowie. I'm Jake and I love Dylan. And here we are, Chaz, just arriving at that sweet year of 1995. I don't know about you, but that was kind of a weird year for me. Was that a weird year for you? Um, probably. Yeah. I was in middle school, so yeah. guaranteed it was a weird year in middle school. That was my eighth, sure. that was my eighth grade year. Eighth grade year. And I came home unexpectedly. No, it should be your ninth grade year. No. Be your ninth grade year. 95? Ninth grade year. Well, I suppose eighth grade and ninth grade. You finished uh, yeah. eighth grade. That's right. Ninth grade. I started, I started that ninth being, grade. That being how school works. Anyway, it's probably the year that I dumped hydrogen peroxide on my head and dyed it orange. Oh, man. And started wearing chance. cool t-shirts and ripped jeans and stuff. I was a cool guy. Cardigans. Cardigans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The cardigans, some some jewelry, some necklaces made out of hemp, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> hey, Jake. Yeah. I'm just going to take over from this meandering nothing that, oh. that you're going to tell me over there. <laughs> what? Why? To paint you a picture of the 90s. Oh. A different side of the 90s, but... The 90s, we've talked about this before, the 90s were a weird time, like, culturally, I feel like. Yeah, they were. I feel like we're getting further off the way to look at them. And what I was thinking about this was, uh, I they mentioned this before, but there's just the, the way, culturally, what was happening in the 90s, in a way that would never happen now. And part of it was all these, like, incredibly shocking, like, disturbing things. It came kind of a grunge, which was in itself kind of shocking and disturbing, but not as far as things would go. No. And uh, I'm going to end up talking about Nine Inch Nails a fair amount of today's episodes. They're a good example of a group that, that just, like, I can't picture somebody like that being as popular as they were now. No, you know, they I were huge. It's a different cultural environment right now. And I think the, probably the biggest example of, of there would be uh, Marilyn Manson. Oh, yeah. Who, not that I care about him personally, but like, it's just hard to picture an act like that, like a musician like that being big right now no there's like, a uh, shocking in that like purposefully trying to be disturbing and shocking and like forgetting parrot yeah and they, he, he was way over the line <laughs> like he was oh, yeah. he was out well, there but, and I feel like in a way Nine Inch Nails and uh, Marilyn Manson could be seen as two sides of this whole thing because yeah. Nine Inch Nails was obviously a very like personal destructive horrible hurt that he's bringing in very artistic terms but this is also horrible yeah, and, Nine Inch, and uh, uh, Marilyn Manson was very much about shocking people and just like being in your face and and a more special plastic type. If, if you'll agree with me there, I do. I so, do but, agree with you there. But this is it's something that uh, is interesting because also it's interesting. I was thinking about this while while we were the leaves just now. Uh, that uh, I think the people they were trying to shock at the time were you know. It's baby boomers' parents. It's like the older generation. Of course. But I almost see that some of the stuff that, that would be shocking, or I, I get into like Howard Stern and stuff too, uh, would almost be more shocking to the young people now. You're the woke generation. Mm, mm-hmm. How do you feel about that, Jake? <laughs> well, this is really philosophical. I was just, I was just thinking about my cardigans, and I was thinking, hey, maybe I should start wearing those cardigans again. A cardigan again. 
You know, a cardigan. The, the, the answer is yes, Jay. Yeah, well, absolutely. Cardigans don't absolutely go. Yes. They don't go out of style. Um, you know, and, I love a good cardigan. <laughs> on the other hand, uh, you know, based on your extremely philosophical question, um, I was very pleased for a long time, Jay. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> This is like, okay, in Minnesota in November, which is when we're recording this, every day that is is 40 degrees or warmer, or even like 35 or warmer, is seen as the last day to get everything done around the yard before it might be over. Before it might be over, and then you can't do it again. Yeah, and like last year, all I didn't get the gutters cleaned out in time, and everything froze and did not thaw again until March. Like it was straight <laughs> deep freeze. So these giant ice jams. I was worried about my gutters falling out because they were so full of ice. They're like you know ice dripping down, and we had one that actually reached the like stalactite met met the stalagmite at the bottom. And no way! Calm. That's that's awesome. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, anyway, like. This is just this is what we do in Minnesota. Yeah. This time of year. Yeah. Anyway, enough about that. Let's go back to the weirdness of the '90s. And Bowie was right in the middle of it. <laughs> so this is me setting the scene for Bowie in 1995. Yeah. This is the most pure example of this. So Bowie in the '90s, he was very involved with art in the art world. He was writing for art magazines. He was interviewing people. He was on the board for some art magazine whose name I can't remember. We'll get more. He put on his first solo show in '95, which we'll talk about later. He was into it like. Excuse me, into electronica. Of course. Uh, in all kinds of, he did different levels of it through the 90s. And he was uh, hanging out with cutting edge magicians, or magicians. <laughs> <laughs> musicians, Jake. Aren't they magicians of the heart, it. though? I think. And people like really relevant, exciting acts like Nine Inch Nails, yeah. like Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Nirvana had just covered The Anna Sold the World. Uh, was that Nightfair? Was that, 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 that was 93 or 94? That was 94. Okay, I was thinking 94. Uh, Frank Black, it was, you know, there were like really, really cutting edge imported artists who were talking about how sweet Bowie was, and there he was, he's still around, That's you know, true. in his 40s, just hanging out and trying to be relevant and sometimes succeeding. So the big cornerstone of 1995 is an album by the name of One, period, Outside. Oh. Call it outside. You, it has a number in it? Yeah, it does. Oh, Chaz. One. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Outside. Okay. <laughs> and we'll get to that later, too, but there was supposed to be more of them, and he just... Oh, I see. Them. Okay. But he was just eternally flighty and moved on to something different. So the background of this, and this is really quick, because we've got much more in-depth into this in, ni- in the 1994 episode. So in 1994, Bowie really, er, recorded an entirely different album called Leon. And it was all crazy long songs, like 20 minute long songs, supposed to be five of them. It would have been his only double CD uh, album, but he never released a double CD. Uh, his most avant garde album ever. Three, it was originally carried down to three tracks, and then that leaked at some point. And I've listened to it, it's nuts and really fascinating. Okay. Uh, but he couldn't get anybody to release it. He yeah. Didn't have a record label, That's crazy. And nobody would do it. So, much more about that in the 1994 episode, because it probably would have come out in 94. So eventually he reworked it, he took parts out of it, uh, he and Brian Eno, who produced both of these. Never heard uh, of him. Never heard of him. Put, put together some new tracks, um, about half of the album was recorded in early 95, was not originally part of the Leon project, and um, and finally got somebody to take that, and it became outside, so it kind of morphed into a different album, and Leon has never been officially released. But it's totally, is, totally different recordings. 
It just got reworked. No, no, not totally. Oh. About half of Outside took the basis of its recordings from the Leon Sessions. Gotcha. From, like, from the Leon album. Okay, all right. Uh, but, like, because they were 20, so it was taking, like, sections. It was taking parts out of the 20-minute long something. They recorded a bunch more songs that were a little more accessible to go along with it. All right. Uh, they also recorded an, early, recorded an early version of I'm Afraid of Americans, which showed up on a classic film, Jake, by the name of, and if you've heard of it, Showgirls. <laughs> that was in Showgirls? Apparently. I haven't oh seen my Showgirls. gosh. I remember getting, uh, so for I've heard it's really good. For a while in college, I was, <laughs> it is a great movie, by the way, Oscar winner, or it should have been. <laughs> Uh, I remember very briefly in college, I was going to collect all of the, um, Nine Inch Nails things. You know, they had the, they, the the halos. And so I, I ended up, I'm pretty sure I ended up getting like a seven remix album of, you know, seven remixes of I'm Afraid of Americans or something like that. Oh, I know that. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I have it anymore for whatever reason. Is that, is that one of the halos? I think so. I mean, it's interesting. It's, it might as well be a whole remix album. It's it, he did six different. There's one one of the remixes. There's twenty remixes from the Great Americans, and like they're so wildly different from each other. Oh yeah. The whole thing, the single is like forty minutes long. If it says Nine Inch Nails on it, it was a Halo. Oh. So. Well, I don't know if it does though. Oh, maybe not. I don't know. Nails ever just as Trent Reznor. Just man. Anyway, Jake, stop. I'm sorry, I'm t- I liked the Nine Inch Nails, and you're talking about them. <laughs> good! Good, Jake, good. I interrupted you good. one time. What? <laughs> you interrupt me every okay, five words. Be a bad episode. Man, hey, bad I blood this episode. I was lo- reading a little about this. I am reading, uh, Brian Eno released his diaries from 1995. Oh, his diaries. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> juicy shit. I know, they're kind of fascinating. It's it's called uh, <laughs> sure you think a so. year of swollen appendices. A year with swollen appendices. <laughs> Is it uh did they release it on like plexiglass that you with a prism in the middle of it? <laughs> he only did it once, okay? Only one of his diaries. Luffy looks sweet. If it didn't cost like three hundred dollars, I would have gotten it. I know it did look sweet. I'm not saying it didn't look sweet. Just saying. Instead I got the the uh regular C D version and got it because of a price problem for only $35 for six discs. A problem. Tracks, a problem for who? That's what I want to know. Not, uh, not, not me. Not the consumer, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so outside, along with being, you know, all that other stuff I said, he's interesting for it being, uh, always a first attempt at characters again since the mid-70s, since about 1976. Um, but, it's, so it's got a loose story. It's We'll call it a concept album, though not like a full-blown rock opera, because like all of Bowie's concept albums, it doesn't make any sense. Or barely okay, makes right, sense. Sure. Or half of it makes sense. Or a loose knows. narrative. A loose narrative. Um, there is a bunch of the info in the booklet that makes a little more sense, kind of sets the stage. So the basic idea is sets, set place, takes place shortly in the future, in 1999. He was the explorer, you know the end of the 90s coming to town and everything and there is a group murder okay uh, that is done as a like artwork like performance artwork essentially and put in front of an art museum and so it's following this detective named uh, no she didn't write it down Nathan Adler <laughs> what who is on the in the art crime division 
and he's uh, exploring all this and figuring what's going on because the murder victim's name was Baby Grace. And so there's characters throughout. Uh, different songs are, are like sung as different characters, supposedly, or I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it, it's interesting. Uh, it's very macabre. It's very intense and extreme. It's got total. It's got a lot of industrial influences. So Nine Inch Nails comes right in there. Um, but most interestingly, is it's got. It's married with some really jazzy piano. It actually works <laughs> yeah. well. I don't know. I sent you a track this morning, Jake. To you did. I don't know if you yeah, we listened to it, and we were we gave it the thumbs up. The family the it's members a fascinating that were here. Song. I'd forgotten about that song. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Like that song. And it, it's hard to think of like that existing along industrial beats and stuff, but in that album it is. Um, and so a lot of this jazzy piano work that in that song, very notably, the song was called uh, "Small Flood of Land." If you feel like listening on your own, hey, go for it's it, like guys! Six minutes, well spent, well spent. Good everybody. six minutes, real nice. It was from a guitarist, Barry got a guitarist, a pianist by the name of Mike Carson, who has played with Bowie since the early seventies, and he's one of those that just comes up, like appears again and again and again throughout Bowie's life. Over, he's one, he's got to be one of the most regular who just show up again and again. Okay. Tony Visconti, Carlos Alomar, they just show up in all kinds of different genres and different places. So he actually looked this up. Mike Harrison's actually appeared on nine different Bowie studio albums, which I've not realized is that many, and six of his live albums. Harrison uh, with Pumpkins. He toured with them on the Adore Tour, and he's on the Machine album, which I didn't know at all. Oh. He plays on The Fragile from Nine Inch Nails, which oh. is always one of your favorite albums. It is one of mine. I love that album. And he worked with St. Vincent, which we're both fans of, and also yes. No Doubt and Perry Farrell, which we don't really care about. But they're <laughs> no Doubt. And the guy is totally awesome. He does. Like, he just has this kind of uh, Rhapsody in Blue style, like kind of Gershwin piano style that did a whole bunch and a whole bunch of stuff. Jake, I like this guy so much that I have a proposal for you. Uh-oh. What are you doing? What are you doing here? I propose that we rename Mike Gerson, Mick Gerson. <laughs> you like him that much? Are you sure? Have you I like him. I feel like he is, his name is close enough. Have you? I feel like he's awesome enough. Have you searched your heart? I've, oh, I've searched it, baby. <laughs> so it's it like. Take real life. It was so easy. So an honorary Mick, an honorary Mick designation is no laughing matter, Mick sir. To join right. the hellholes of Mick Ronson, Mick Rock, Mick Woody Woodmansey, <laughs> I guess Mick Jagger. Now come on. He's the editor, Mick Gerson, and refer to him as Mick Gerson. All right, on. sounds good. Oh, we also have to start calling our brother Mike Mick as well. <laughs> oh well, if he makes the cut, Jake. <laughs> oh, he makes the cut, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Especially since he'll hate, he will hate us. If you ever listen to our podcast, he will hate us for calling him Mick instead of Mike, and it will be the best. <laughs> we doing it and not it whatsoever. Just like saying it, like just totally, totally gaslight him on what his name actually is. Oh, poor Mick. Oh. <laughs> if we ask him, says anything about it, we'll be like, what I. I have always no, that's Mick. no, that's what I that's that's what I was saying. I was saying that. Jake and I, have I was been saying Mick. since you were a baby. Uh, that's since your name, I, Mick. So that's your name, Mick. Mick. Uh, uh, hey, I, Mick. Okay. Okay, you're All being right. weirdo, Mick. Again. 
So it'd be more fun if we could get anybody else to go along with it. Be no one it. else would think that's funny. Like we get mom to do it, or like his wife. That would be the best. His wife would sooner kick us in the <laughs> face than do something wrong to Mike. I mean Nick. <laughs> Our wives won't even be on a board with it. Like, let's be honest with ourselves. No, we'll all get kicked in the face. Well, you and Jane, I. Will. Your, your son, your son James would. But he, he would, would do it. it. He would definitely do He'd it. He'd be on board. He'll but be he, the only, only one. He also is in awe and respect of uh, Mick's uh, military service, so he might not. Well, okay. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, so that was outside. That uh, was great. Saying, outside is like it's kind of one of the holy grails of unemployed Bowie. Is all the stuff surrounding it? So we okay. have this one. Uh, how many tracks? Is it sixteen tracks, I think. Like 16, 17 tracks. Oh, let's get run that. No, it's nineteen tracks. I'm sorry, nineteen track album. It's a lot of tracks. It's it's, it's a long album. It's you know like a seventy minute. It's it fills Ooh. up the CD. Ooh. But there's so much stuff surrounding it that never came out or that came out in, in different forms. And so I put together a fantasy box set, Jake. Wow. Oh, you did? Are you gonna have? Are you I gonna did. tell us about it right now? <laughs> Jay, hold back your enthusiasm. I'm to that, so I can oh. tell you about it. Okay, great. <laughs> Man, you're even trying over there. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. Good for you. Here's my fantasy <laughs> box set for outside, Jay, because okay. I know you're just dying to hear about it. I don't know what you're talking First about. First two discs are the original five-track Leon album. That'd be awesome, Jay. Okay, I want that. Sure, yeah. Okay. Next up, just outside because you know you gotta put that on there. Just well, you just outside. throw you just throw outside on outside. It's it's a it's a home run. Next up is the LP version of Outside was not a double LP like it would have had to be. Oh. They pared it down to a single LP called yeah. Excerpts from Outside. Oh, so should they, they cut six tracks and shortened two other tracks, and uh, it made it down to one LP. So you so gonna... just throw it in the box set, why not? Yeah, 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 yeah. Lavish. Yeah. This yeah. is super deluxe, I can tell already. Super deluxe. Oh, it's lavish. It's lavish, baby. It's real lavish. Next up, B-Sides and Remixes. This is that one that you'll never listen to, but no. Well, you'll throw it on You'll throw it on one the, time. Well, and if, I would love it if they separated out and put the B-Sides on. I figured this is going to be two discs. Looking through it, I don't think they're all fit on one. So I'm proposing the B-Sides that are actually interesting in different tracks that didn't make the cut. Uh-huh. You have one. And all the remixes can be on the other. Hey, you know, that's just sound reasoning right there. So then we just have one disc that no one listens to yep. of remixes. Sure. And maybe go back and forth between remixes of the two singles that got, like, six remixes each. And nobody cares. And it's just on its own, sequestered, <laughs> on its own disc. One person Next will time, listen to Bowie it. Bowie talks about all kinds of follow-ups to this thing throughout the 90s and actually not long. You know what's talking about it not long before. Oh, he died. Apparently, they were looking at it again before he died. <laughs> of course, they were. Uh, he talked about there was. The, he had said, like in the interviews, there was going to be another album called Inside. Yeah, I was just going to make a joke time. about that, but that's not a joke uh, at all. It's no, true. It's you don't have to. But we did it for you. <clears throat> that's amazing. That was going to maybe give light to the process. I kind of wonder if Inside was going to have some of the original Leon tracks on it, but he only just talked about this in a couple of interviews, and then it never happened. In Nate Capacity. So we'll put that at one disc. Maybe it would have been more than one. Don't know. Who cares? Next up. You'll recall that Outside is actually called One Period Outside. So there was meant to be a follow-up that was announced by him called Two Period Contamination. <laughs> and apparently the idea that was that follow. they would also like take stuff from the original Leon and then add in some new stuff and make it to another album, kind of like continuing the story. Yeah. Uh, that never happened, obviously. And then last is... A 
because he did a big fat tour in 95. He oh. toured with Nine Inch Nails, which I'm about to get into. Oh, my. And there's never been any live album from this tour. Wow. So we needed like a two-disc live album with Nine Inch Nails. So do you think you're going to... You're gonna get like a five years box set of just of just outside. That's what you're aiming <laughs> you know, for. I don't think that. I don't think they're gonna do this, but I wish they would. Hmm. Let me just let me just about being six. Ten disker. Ten <laughs> disker right here, Jake. Well, I'm used to a ten disker. I don't know about Bowie fans. I, I, well, I, I only you know, buy ten discers. I only buy them. That's it. <laughs> That's not true. You just bought a three disc Dylan Jake. I like, did a real week. A real okay. a real slick a daddy. Lean number. A real lean cut of meat. That one. <laughs> no fat. <laughs> no fat. Not fat at all. Nope. Except for all those Johnny Cash songs. That's it. <laughs> a little bit fat there. Looks <laughs> a little bit. But that's good. Oh, that's it's good. delicious. Everyone loves Johnny Cash. They do. It's true. I wish I was eating Johnny Cash right now. Hey, I wish I was, um, I'm hungry. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. For some lean, yeah. some real, real lean cut of meat. <laughs> hey, let's talk about Bowie's tour with that. Could we? Years, I have so much to talk about that I'm just going. Just yeah, I know, I can tell. I know, I'm trying. You got Say mad hello. at me. You got mad at me for interrupting one time, so I'm not doing it again. <laughs> Shut up, Jake. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> I'm going. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Okay, so Bowie did tour. He did a big fat tour, and Nine Inch Nails opened for him in one of the strangest combinations of artists ever. But it sounds like it works. Yeah. Uh, so Dennis Nails opened for them on the American leg of the tour. Um, and they structured it so that there was no break between the two of them. Like, Nine Nails would play their set, and then um, they'd play songs together for like seven, eight tracks together. Oh, wow. Six, I don't know. And so they do like a couple Nine Nails songs mixed in, there are a couple Bowie songs. They'd sing Hurts together. Uh, it was kind of a cool way to go, and then Nine Inch Nails yeah. would leave, and Bowie would just keep going. So it's one continuous show. And there were. So this is what we need. I want like a live album of all of this happening. Yeah, I can't believe there's not the one. Whole, there should whole, be. I, one. I know. Well, there's tons of bootlegs of it, but nothing yeah. official. It's like of them playing together. It was pretty hot, Jake. Was it like? Was it like? No, it was like. You know, because this is Nine Inch Nails. Well, but I was I was just thinking of the uh, that uh, "F You Like an Animal" song. It's like, yeah, closer. That's what it's called. Oh, maybe I don't know. They didn't play that one in the in the clip I saw. That song was oh, not in the clip you saw. I know Nine Inch Nails presumably did that in their solo set before Bowie came on. I didn't watch that part. Oh, what you know? Okay. I just watched the part when Bowie came on. Now, were they outside, like at every stadium, or did, were some of them inside, uh, inside arenas, or like could you could could Bowie play any of the music inside, or because of the name of it, did he have to be outside while he was playing? Jake, I, I'm not even going to answer that question. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering. I mean, if- uh, so Bowie in the mid '90s again. He is uh, he's retired the hits. He is refusing to play. Like, the only hit he played in this tour was uh, Under Pressure. He did play that. Wow. But otherwise, this is not his tour. He's doing the mostly, besides the tracks from outside, he's doing mostly more obscure tracks from the late 70s from his Berlin tour. Okay. Uh, Notable. He uh, started the tour, like, two or three weeks before Outside even came out, and, like, half the set list was from Outside. Uh, He described it as his own personal, like, suicide, like a musician suicide or... Uh, career, career suicide. suicide. It's just go out, tour with Nine Inch Nails, uh, play none of the hits, and have half of it be from an album that hasn't come out yet. 
Okay. And so uh, I hated it at first, <laughs> and then everyone loved it later on. Sure. The tour basically went. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, later on, after the American tour, uh, Morrissey opened for him for a while until he flaked out and got out of Bowie or something and started a few at a band at the tour. Mm-hmm. Nice one, Morrissey. Mm-hmm. Well as as he's wont to do. With, yes, with to every do. single interaction he ever has. Yeah. So this was the main meat of this 1995, but I still have some potatoes to get to, Jake. So oh, great. I'm powering through. I know, well, I would, I'd be happy to be done with it, but other, other notable things happen. In what, if I'm, what, if I'm, what if I'm full? I don't want the potatoes. Send them back. Well, your parents said you have to eat the vegetables and potatoes, too. You can't only eat the meat, Jake. Well. If you want a treat. Do you want a treat? <laughs> Um, is this a trick question? Of course I do. You can choose. Yeah. Okay, well, then let's, let's go with the potatoes. But what's the treat, then? I, is it more talk about David Bowie? Because that's... <laughs> <laughs> no, the truth is you get to talk about Dylan. Oh, 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 good, good, all right, great. <laughs> great, yeah, I'll take the potatoes. Give them to me. All right, here's the potatoes. Uh, we had a couple more semi-legal releases. Or maybe I should just save these. Should I just save these for points, Jake? What I do don't you know. Save? Yeah, save them. Sure. I forgot to talk to you about the points for these two numbers, but that's okay. I think I think you'll be fine with what I did here. I'm going to be extremely uh, upset. Okay, well, I'm going to save this part. It's a guarantee. I'm going to save it for the points, Jake. All right. Uh, but we produced a couple other places. He shows up in Gabriel's solo album in 1995 <laughs> called The Sacred Squall of Now. <laughs> That's a great mid-90s name for something. I know. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Reeves Gables is a guitarist for Tin Machine. He's also the record guitarist on Outside, actually. And Bowie kept working with him for a few more years after that. And Bowie had his first solo art show. Aww. He's all grown up. Way to go. I know. He is. It's called New Afro Slash Pagan and Work, 1975 through 1995. I don't know why they had this in there. Yeah, whatever. It was in London. It was a show that featured mostly paintings from the late 70s to the mid-90s, as the name suggests. And Brian Eno went inside, as mentioned, in his diary, which I'm reading. <laughs> I'm not done with it yet, but I'm about halfway done with it. So how many but how many crushes? Did he have some crushes on people that we didn't know about? Like, what's his diary really? <laughs> was he like, oh, uh, David is so like hot. Really, he's a super normal family man. Sure he is. Like, I, I don't know much about Brian Eno personally. And for the longest time, for some reason, I had it in my head he was gay, which is not. Okay. Which is like confused me then when I learned that he wasn't because for some reason I was really latched onto this I don't know where I got that from um, he's just like a happily married like family man he's got two young kids in 1995 like he's a three year old and a five year old girls he also has an adult daughter from his first marriage okay um, and he's just like you know putting around like he works in his garden sometimes and he has a studio but he really doesn't have to like have a lot of pressure and he's doing a lot of different things at once so he's you know working on his album with Bowie which he also produced uh, he's wearing an album for a band called James, which I've heard of, but don't know any of the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's talking to U2, because he's going to be doing one of their albums in 1995. Yeah. He uh, is also like working on different art projects and helping out with this one through a college that he may or may not work at. I can't figure that part out. It's not really clear, because it's not. It's just his diaries. And he's just like... Going to play, you know, he gets flies over to New York for a week and a half to work with Dick Bowie on an album, and then he goes home to see the girls. Is this? Okay, it's really interesting. Is this necessary? Like this is is this whole this thing? Is, is this necessary? The Brian Eno portion of this podcast. <laughs> just, Brian Eno is always necessary. Jake. I don't think so. I think you know the lean cut of meat just got bloated and grizzly. <laughs> it just got like full of. It's just like ah, it's disgusting. 
right. Um, I forgot to write the year in here, which I'm doing right oh, now. Oh, hey, right off the dome. You go for it. You're in here. Uh, what did he look like? It was all spiky. Yeah, you know, I remember this era. Spiggly, awful beard. Yeah, spiky. But we cannot grow a good beard. No. Nope. But he kept trying in the, the late 80s through mid-90s. You know, Dylan could... grow a beard anyway. Dylan never grew a good beard either. That's something they share in common. Anyway, yeah, occasionally. Yeah, I mean, the cover of Infidels yeah. is just a bad beard face. That's it, <laughs> with some Ray Bans attached to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ah. yeah. All right. So, so what do you get? It's all spiky. It's all spiky, and yeah, and I think it's a soul patch part of the year. Yeah, soul patch. I remember the soul patch was kind of a thing. Soul patch. Sweet yeah. soul patch. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's kind of like I don't know. Soul patches are. Those aren't coming. Those aren't going to come back, are they? Those are terrible. Obviously, they are. Of course, they are. At some point. Ugh. You know, we were watching. Yeah, uh, yeah, we, were, we were watching full, one of the. I've been eclipsed by full beards, which I feel much better about. Oh, so much better. We were watching one of the Ocean's movies last night. I think it was Ocean's yeah. Thirteen, and uh, yeah. I can't remember when that came out. Like the early two thousands, I guess. <clears throat> and the fashion is just so slimy. Everyone looks like they just. Like, took shots at the club. There's, like, all these, like, shimmery, uh, you know, shimmery uh, uh, shirts with, like, really wide lapels. And, like, yeah, they're yeah. all, like, you know, clicked down, like, uh, you know, about a quarter way down the chest. And, like, I mean, you know Brad Pitt. Like, if anyone could pull it off, it's Brad Pitt. But he just, he looks, oh, like, yeah. a, he looks like a scumbag. He can't help it. <laughs> that's just, yeah, that's the times, Jake. I know, I know. That's what it is. Soul patches. Just slap them on. Just slap them right on me. Short as short. <laughs> Soul patch. So, I'm going to give the year and hair uh, a two. Well, one and a half. One and a half. Yeah, give it a, come on. A two? That's crazy. <laughs> one and a half, Jake. One and a half. <laughs> All right. Worse here than this. I know, but a two, I that's nuts. That's nuts. Oh, his spike is better than, like, Poofy swoopy thing he was doing for it. Right. What, so about, a, what about a 1.67? 1.67? The beard brings it down. The can beard I... brings it down. Two at one point. Alright. My answer's a final shake. My, my answers <laughs> in your hair are. They're there. They are set in stone. They are etched. I make the bottom of the spot every single time. Yeah. And, uh, and I stand by them. Whatever it is that I said before. Right. I've been writing them down, but I can't remember if I've got all of them or not. I'll have okay, to. Well, I'll th- I, I don't. I don't write those down. I write I'll down notes to, about the year in here, and then I make up the number at the time. I'll have to check my notes for like a day to find them all. It'll be a, <laughs> it'll be a long time. Hey, 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 what's up? You know what hey. I'd like to hear about is that Dylan. <sighs> well, as long as you're done. Like, sure. I mean, tolerate. As, long, tolerate as, as long as you're done. Are you done? I'm done. I think I'm done. All right. So Bob Dylan had a very uh, had very like a grab baggy year in 1995. Just like uh, it reminded me of the uh, the old Simpsons episode where uh, Bart is on the playground and he decides to um, distract all of the children and maybe Principal Skinner from something that somebody else is doing. Uh-huh. And quick making this quick distraction. Right, and then Millhouse is like, "Hey, everybody, it's Bart." And he's doing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all like, oh, everyone like runs over. We're creating a distraction. <laughs> I think it's the least, is it the uh, the Telltale Heart episode? So uh, at least you can put in the diorama. 
Diorama? Oh, I. Th- <laughs> I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with that, but not possible. I think you might be right. The other thing that I was thinking the other day, just for no reason, I was like getting into my car, and I j- it just popped into my head. Uh, Stupid Lisa, garbage face, the jerky doll for jerks. <laughs> <laughs> I just laugh. Speaking of the mid nineties, here's some uh, some Simpsons anecdotes. Yeah, hey, you know what? Uh, I think I remember that show that it's still in the air somehow. It's so crazy. Anyway, The Simpsons hasn't been fetishized enough online. Let's do it some more. (laughs) Cool. Cool, 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 cool. All right. So what I got for you, Chaz? uh, So Bob Dylan was just like kind of doing stuff. He it was it was he wasn't writing new songs. Um, but it was a couple of years, obviously, before he would make his comeback with Time Out of Mind. Um, but he was just, like, kind of out there. You know, obviously, he was doing the, the never-ending tour. And it was kind of a a phase in his career when he was being feted and, like, giving all these, like, Lifetime Achievement Awards and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And so he was going to all these things. But I have, uh, for you, Chaz, I have a little participation. You didn't allow me the chance to participate in your portion so I'm gonna. I had too much. It was yeah. It's yeah. tough when those episodes have a lot going on. You're just a. Yeah, kind of. Since episodes nothing or more fun, because we just goof around and make up all kinds of crazy junk right. the whole time. Well, I did. I did sort of a split this time. I have plenty to talk okay. about, but right. I also made up stupid stuff for us to do. So hey, great. What you're gonna do? I have twelve things that Bob Dylan did of varying lengths and uh, need of explanation, and you're just gonna you're just gonna call out numbers, and I'm gonna tell you what okay. I got listed for him. So what's your what's your first number for Bob Dylan? Ninety five. Six. Number six. Bob Dylan wins a Grammy in 1995 oh. for oh, best traditional. I'm <laughs> he probably was too. He won a Grammy for uh, Best Traditional Folk Album. Uh, this was for World Gone Wrong, which, of course, was released in 1993. And he got the Grammy <laughs> in 1995. Yeah, classic Grammy. <laughs> the Grammys are so What I love dumb. is when they somehow get nominated for the same album two years in a row. <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite. And, and you know there's some like arcane rules. Like, you know that like maybe World Gone Wrong was released late enough in 93 where it falls into some dumb window that they made up, you know, <laughs> so that, that would mean like things released in 94, you would not get a Grammy for in 95. Uh-oh. And, but <laughs> I was just, I was just scrolling down like everyone that won a Grammy in 95 and it's like literally every living musician won a Grammy <laughs> in 95. It was like pop staples won one. I'm sure David Bowie won one. Oh, man, the Grammys are such a tire fire. It's the best. Love the Grammys. All right, what's next? Uh, nine. Uh, number nine. Uh, Bob Dylan participates in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame opening concert. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, Ohio, opened in 1995. And he uh, joined many other luminaries of the rock and roll genre. Uh, but not David Bowie. I think it was all Americans. No, that can't be right. Can that be right? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, asked, I, I don't know. I'm asking me right now. I asked the ether. Anyway, I thought this was one of those things that maybe Bowie and Dylan would be at at the same time, but obviously not. Never mind. Uh, he was a surprise guest uh, concert at the concert, and he duetted. Well, he, he played a few songs by himself, and then he did a duet with Bruce Springsteen on Forever Young. Bruce Springsteen had kind of fallen on hard times in 95, but he was making his comeback in a couple years. We all had, Jake. (laughs) My hair was orange like Ronald McDonald. Uh, Mine was uh, spiky like David Bowie's, so it was later on. Oh, and I was experimenting with contacts as well. 
Oh, yeah, you meant colored contacts. Yeah, colored contacts. Uh, green was my favorite color, just for anyone listening. All right, Chaz, what's next? You've done uh, two of 12. Number two. <laughs> number two is the album for uh, Woodstock 1994 came out, and Bob Dylan was a participant <laughs> in Woodstock 94. Now, of course, Woodstock 69 is the you know greatest concert of all time or whatever. And then Woodstock 99... There were a whole bunch of riots and sexual assaults, and it was like a horrible end of end of an era. But no one ever talks well, about, about no one ever talks about Woodstock '94. Woodstock '2019, which was a garbage fire that didn't end up happening. Yeah, at they least didn't they, any articles, they didn't many many articles about Woodstock '2019. Yeah, no, it's really it's really weird, and people are trying to get paid, and they're not getting paid, and all this stuff. Anyway, Woodstock '94, no one talks about it because there was no like cultural incident, either good or bad, that happened at it. <laughs> Uh, it was the neutral Woodstock. Yeah, Bob Dylan was there, and he may have been paid, like, a massive amount of money. Who knows? The Woodstock, the time forgot. <laughs> Woodstock 94, catchphrase. The Woodstock, <laughs> the time forgot. <laughs> well, I didn't forget about it, at least during the, I mean, I had, but then I was reading about it. Um, then I saw that Bob Dylan was there, and I was like, oh, I remember that now. So I didn't forget it totally. Did you mention it in 94 when we did 94? No, forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's, yeah. the that's the best possible answer. <laughs> it's the only possible answer. <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, number 11. Number 11. Oh, I lost it. Where'd it go? My, note, my notes, as usual, are a god-awful mess. Uh, what happened to number eleven? Well, maybe I didn't have twelve after all. How about uh, we'll we'll do a number eleven as if it's number twelve? Uh, Bob Dylan released <laughs> MTV MTV Unplugged. The yes, MTV Unplugged. He, if you'll recall, he recorded it and it was it aired in nineteen ninety four. And then so everything, everything Dylan did in '95, he actually did in '94. Like, <laughs> or or '90 or '93. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, he got best new artist <laughs> at the '95 Grammys. <laughs> best new folk alternative rap vocal artist. <laughs> Male. Male you know, solo. This young man's really on the come up. <laughs> His career is now 35 years old, but here's our best new artist, Bob Dylan. <laughs> they should just, I think the Grammys should just go for it one year and be like as ridiculous as possible. Oh, best new band. The Beatles, ever heard of them? They're the best new band <laughs> this year. Uh so I guess so. I, I was new deceased artist David Bowie. <laughs> Best artist not currently alive, David Bowie. <laughs> oh, he's finally made it. Best polka album, David Bowie. <laughs> uh, I did check; he did not get nominated for Grammy in 1985. Oh, that's too bad. Not what? Uh, he was he was in a little bit of a, a lull there. It was between 85 and 98. He did not get nominated for a Grammy. Everybody I mean, won a Grammy. That reflects, that reflects the quality of the work that he was doing, but he did get nominated for two of them in 1985, which he really shouldn't have did. Hey, let's, let's hey that's, that's, there's a little secret here. A little secret for you. Um, <laughs> well, three in 1985. He won one in 1985. 
All right. You know what? What do we? Let's just okay. Number MTV. One. No, I haven't. Even, I haven't told you about the Alp. I haven't told you about oh, right. MTV Unplugged. Okay. <laughs> oh, that. So uh, it came out. I I did mention on our very first episode, which we've slagged repeatedly on this podcast. Uh, it sucks. Hey, come on! It doesn't suck. Come uh, on! It might not suck. Can't I don't. Remember. I don't think it sucks. I don't think it's our best. We recorded it almost two years ago. So. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's been a long time. Um, I, know. I, can't I, this much. I know. It's really starting to wear on me. It's really starting to wear me down. <laughs> uh, um, this is my first. This was my first Bob Dylan album. I think is what I was trying to say. Uh, Wait, what? <laughs> It was. Yeah. In fact, we were on vacation. I don't know if you remember. We went to Washington, D.C. in 1995. I I remember going to Washington, D.C. Sure. Of course. I thought it was earlier than that. No. I was 14. And I got it on that trip. My very first Bob Dylan album. MTV Unplugged. And it was his best album sales in, like, years. Since probably, like, Infidels or something. It landed at... Number 23 in the U.S. and number 10 in the U.K. Oof. Yeah, not too, I mean, in 95, that's that's not nothing. That's not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. Uh, so that's MTV Unplugged. I'll, I'll do more about it when we get to the points. But you can yeah. you can pick another number. Number one. Oh, you picked the best one, sir. A German pop star named Wolfgang Niedeken. 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 I don't have any sort of German accent. <laughs> I'm not even going to uh-huh. try. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. released a all Bob Dylan's cover album called Le Pardefel, Dylan songs with German lyrics. Now, Chaz, I sent you a little game to play along with here. Yeah, all right. I'm all right, pull it up whip right it out. Here. Whip out that right. game. Uh, so game. what, what yes. I've done is I've given Chaz ten names of Wolfgang Niedekin covers of Bob Dylan songs, and I gave him the equivalent ten songs that uh, the, that those were based on of Bob Dylan songs, and he's going to try to match them up. So okay. I'm just going to. Right. You give me go. You give me the German name, Jake, and I will give you my. All right. My, uh, All answer. right. Sounds good. So number one, Le Par de Fellhut. And we apologize to everyone for. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I should apologize. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, it's not even. I'm going, with, I'm going with leopard skin pillbox. Oh, ding, ding, ding! All right, I gave you a few right. easy yeah, ones yeah. to start off. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This right. is this is the hardest one of all. I just want you to know coming up here. <laughs> Number two. No, yes, it is. Number two. Um, Quinn da Eskimo. <laughs> Quinn yeah. Quinn da Eskimo. With Quinn da Eskimo. Oh, how did you know? That's amazing. Woo. All right. Okay, all here's right. An, here's another oh, real okay. here's another real humdinger. Uh, this is a uh, Da Joker Dons. <laughs> I'm going with Joker Man. Hey, you got it again. Um, I was just delighting in thinking about uh, Bob Dylan singing his songs in German and being. Did you listen? Did you listen to this album, Jake? I did listen to some of it because there's some on YouTube. Okay. You got it. How are you gonna not? Oh, the Joker Dons. All right, number four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of that album of uh, Portuguese covers of David Bowie, which is yeah. really sweet. That actually is really good. That, that is actually good. good. Is that the one for the Wes Anderson movie? Yeah, it is. Yeah, no, those are great. Or, uh, those are good. Steve Zizou, the underwater something of yeah. Steve Zizou. Yeah, good. All right, keep going. Okay, right, number... F- I got three in a row. Good. Okay. Feeling good. All right, number four. Wool best do hock Marie. Absolutely sweet Marie. Yeah, you got it. 
All right. Okay. All right. Uh, Those are the kind of easy ones. Yeah. Okay. Here comes <laughs> here comes the real humdingers. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Veal passiert sickler. Yeah. This one I'm not really sure. Okay. So I'm gonna go with um, Highway 61 revisited. Not correct. Not yeah. correct. Highway 61 is tough because none of these have the number 61. I know, and there's actually there's. I, the only reason I included Highway 61 is the um, I have a little I have a little right line reading of. Actually, you know what? Don't forget I said anything. Do you want me to tell you yeah. which ones it is? No, yeah, I, I can't. I do. do. I do. Okay. All right. So Ville Passiert Sickler was my back pages. My back page. Yeah, wouldn't have gone there. No. All right. Next one. Okay. All right. Unfassbar Ron. A hard rain's gonna fall. You got it. Ding ding ding. Uh, All right, here's number, uh, I think this is number six or seven. I don't know, it doesn't matter. Uh, Ich will ditch. Uh, I'm going with I want you. Yeah, nice, Chaz. All right, yeah, hey. Keep going, keep it coming. All right, here's the one that I need to do the line reading for if you can't get what it is. It is Nürbring. I can now. Okay, sorry, (laughs) I screwed it up. Nürbing Ring. Nürbing Ring. Nerd Before you even said anything about it again, I was going to... I was going to revisit You were? For Nurbring Ring? Yeah, I was. I well, was. Well, appara- I mean, that was my like second choice for I was just doing yeah. Uh, so apparently Nürbing Ring is some sort of highway in Germany, so he just, like... Um, oh, yeah, I think I knew that. ...took the spirit of 60, Highway 61 and made it German. But I, I have to do... Like a- Noi has a, I feel like Noi has a song called Nürbringer. Nürbring... It's like Nürbring Ring or something? Yeah, or cluster or some other crowd wreck that coming back to me. I don't know. Okay, I got it. Woo! This just reminds me of uh, Germans who say nice things from the Dana Carvey show. <laughs> that crowd looks like a pony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. All right, so here's here's my line reading. Uh, I just thought this was hilarious. Da Herjat sat ze Abraham opfer mir no son. What saws do? Ich kann dich nicht verstehen. Jot sat mock Abraham. What? Oh, I'm sorry to all the Germans out there. Da hat sat Abraham What sas du ich kann dich nicht verstehen? Jot sat mock Abraham. What? Thank you, man. All right. Uh, we have two left. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number nine feeling is... Feeling loose. Yeah, you're feeling great, man. Uh, dot bean ichnit. It ain't me, babe. Wow. You're killing this game. Yeah, good job well, once again. I just, I just felt really good about the last one. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, you should feel good. That, All right. Last one. Als ob sien frau. <laughs> just like a woman. Als ob sien frau. Yep. Oh, Sien Frau. Do it Charlie Gainsbourg style, Jake. Oh. Oh, so Sien Frau. The crappiest. Frau. Alright, that's enough offending the Germans. Please go on. Uh, was it Germans? Oh, 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 I don't know the Germans. That's another Simpsons reference, but I don't think they put it for anyone to actually get it. Do you remember the ones that the Germans buy the power plant? Oh, of course. I was just thinking about when they fire Homer. That is all. <laughs> We'd like to announce the following layoffs, which will read in alphabetical order. 
That was actually the first. Uh, that was like the first little sketch that I could show my kids because there's nothing like truly irreverent about it. It's just like the land of chocolate and all that stuff. It's so funny. It's the best. That was ten minutes ago. Number two, you already did started, number two. I started, well, I'm starting to forget which numbers I did. You already did. <laughs> Clearly. Really number five. Number five. Number five. All right. Number five is number five. the never-ending tour. Hey, woo, 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 woo. Didn't end in 95. 115 shows this year, Chad. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I wonder how many Bowie, well, Bowie only toured the like, third of the year, though. He started uh, in September. <laughs> He just went everywhere. 45 in Europe and 70. 70 concerts in North America. Um, I just, I don't know what else to say except that's, that's a lot of shows. That's a lot, that's a lot, a of, lot shows. of shows. And plus, you know, all the other stuff he did. So, okay, go right. ahead. Uh, number eight. Number eight. Uh, he opens for the Rolling Stones who were on this. And I, I sort of remember this because I was reading, I was reading Rolling Stone and Spin and all that stuff at the time. Obviously, Spin wouldn't have given a crap, but the Rolling Stones were on their Voodoo Lounge tour at the time. It was a, a huge, you know, one of the highest grossing tours of all time, and they were running around, and Mick Jagger was doing Mick Jagger things and <clears throat> and all that stuff, but they invited, just making it up as he goes along, uh, and they asked Bob to come play, because they were playing like a Rolling Stone on that tour for whatever reason, the okay. Bob Dylan version, and so they asked Bob Dylan to come open for them. So he opened for the Rolling Stones. I can't remember where. And they played... I'm like, crazy he's even willing to do that. That's not like something he would have done. I, but it's 95. This is what I'm saying. Like, he was way, way more prone. He was not yet back. So he was way That's more true. prone. 97 was the next big comeback. Exactly. By then, he, like, gave everyone the middle finger, I think, after that. He was like, whatever, you guys. <laughs> I'm Bob Dylan. Okay. Uh, but he was not quite Bob Dylan yet. And so he... <laughs> Well, he's a hot newcomer. <laughs> well, he, he just won Best New Artist at the Grammys. <laughs> <laughs> so give him some credit, you know. Give, give him time to breathe, okay? He's he's new. Um, and they did the whole thing where the, the the Rolling Stones, like, recorded the whole thing and, and put a whole bunch of cameras in Bob's face and stuff, you know, because they were going to re- release it on some DVD or you know, laser disc or something like that. And no, I guess no, it was... Not DVDs yet in 95. Those weren't released. Right, sorry. VHS, laser disc. I apologize. <laughs> laser disc. Laser disc. Definitely laser disc. <laughs> so awesome. Uh, and Bob, I guess, was so lackadaisical and, like, disconnected and not into it that they just, they scrapped the whole thing. They were like, we're not, re- <laughs> we're not releasing this. <laughs> No. So, way to go, Bob. Bob's Town Foolery has ruined yet another project that probably cost <laughs> tens of thousands of dollars. Whatever. The Rolling Stones <laughs> made like a hundred million dollars or something on that day. I'm sure they did. They did. I watched yeah. I watched a video, or at least the first 30 seconds of them, uh, playing Lake Rolling Stone. I couldn't find the one with Bob Dylan. Uh, but Mick Jagger's up there like running around, and they like... They kept blowing like air on him, so his shirt would flap back. <laughs> it's just, oh, and he's yeah. doing all of his Mick Jagger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like a silky, like it's like a silky turquoise shirt, and it's just blowing in the in the fake wind. Wait, you say silky, silky turquoise because he was definitely wearing a silky turquoise shirt in the 1985 Dancing in the Street music video. It was not. We di- only hope and assume that it was the same shirt. It was not dissimilar. It was very 90s. 
It was like a. It was kind of like Jerry's pirate shirt, you know, from Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. Uh, yeah. I so. Want to be a pirate? I want to be a pirate. <laughs> All right. What's the next number? Right, number seven. Number seven. Now, this could be apocryphal. This could not have happened at all. I could not find any corroborating evidence whatsoever about this. But apparently, at a show, Dylan hugged the singer-songwriting legend Carole King uh, so hard that she fell off the stage and broke her arm. (laughs) That's what it said. Uh, That is absurd, so we're going to assume it's true. Yeah, we're going to assume it's true, and you can pick the next one. That's all I got on that. Number ten. Number 10, Frank Sinatra had his 80th birthday concert in Los Angeles, California. It was televised. Lots of people were there, including Little Richard, Bruce Springsteen, Ray Charles, Peggy Lee, Tony Bennett, Bono, and a little person you might have uh, heard of named David Hasselhoff. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> Way too hard. He was trying to way too hard to be young and cool and any fun. Yeah. Frank Sinatra's birthday party. Yeah, he wouldn't have been. He would have been like, oh, Frank Sinatra. He was too busy hanging with Trent Reznor. Yeah, he's like, oh, Trent Reznor's young and cool. So am I. Peace. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, this was Frank Sinatra's last TV appearance before he passed away a few months later. And the whole the the thing of it was that all these artists would come up and sing Frank Sinatra songs in a concert setting, but they would sing it, like, to Frank Sinatra, who was sitting in the front row. And, uh... He's just, like, grimacing the entire time. No? Like, itching to get up there and show him up. He's like, hey, you better not sing my songs. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, come on! Um... No, apparently this was, like... He was, like, very, uh... He was very into it, and... You know, the, the connection between Dylan and Sinatra is obviously somewhat clear based on Dylan's recent, you know, five albums. It's so clear. It's, it's, it might be it's a little... triply clear, Jake. It might be a little too clear at this point. Um, <laughs> It'd be better if it's slightly more opaque. But I didn't, Bob, I didn't really... I, well, we know he is, so... <laughs> all right, so go, yeah. easy, go easy on the guy, all right? You know, it's only been... <laughs> It's only been 25 years since he won Best New Artist at the Grammys. <laughs> He's still, still making his way up. Uh, no, but I didn't know that. I didn't know the respect went two ways, and apparently it did because um, oh, Sinatra right. at, Sinatra had Bob Dylan close the concert, and he had him. He gave him a request. He was the only artist that got a special request from Frank Sinatra, and that was to play "Restless Farewell," which Bob Dylan had on his. Uh, his first album, his eponymous album, um, and Frank Sinatra thought it was the the folky like my way, like it was kind of like a a, okay. a power ballad for folkies. And I watched yeah. this thing, Chaz. It is it's a, it's an incredible performance. He yeah, is, okay. he's amazing. Good like one, the one. band sounds great, and like it's very like clearly emotional. Sinatra's yeah. crying. Like there's a whole like standing oh, ovation yeah. from everybody. It's awesome. Uh, so anyway, I had to I had to put that in there. Frank Sinatra bawling yeah. about. Oh, and Bob Dylan was one of the only people that Frank Sinatra invited backstage after the show to I don't know like eat, oh. eat lasagna or something. I'm not really sure. Oh, no. Kiss some <laughs> Do you want to coke or something? I don't know. <laughs> you know, one more for the road. You know, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> hey. 
All right. What's next? Uh, number four. Did I do number four? Uh, you did that. W- no, no. I'm sorry. Number four is also the best one besides the German cover album. <laughs> Bob Dylan released an interactive CD-ROM, Chaz, in 1990. 19- <laughs> I know. I didn't know what? about this. Bob, you old dog. Yeah. Oh man. It's called Highway 61 Interactive. Get it? <laughs> it contains a number of worlds which the user can visit and check out various scenes with photos and memorabilia, listen to interviews and song snippets, and watch videos, guys. So you have to go good. to like weird hallways and click on stuff. I think that's exactly no. Stuff. Well, you go to you go to Greenwich Village apparently in New York City. Oh, well, that's better. Uh, via that nineteen via nineteen sixty one or whatever nineteen sixty two, uh-huh. and you like wander around there. <laughs> I guess you go in places and you get to watch like pixelated grainy videos of Bob Dylan doing stuff. Yeah, I mean this is exactly this is ninety five man. CD ROM. <laughs> now exactly the same theme, but with different music. Now I was ready. I was ready to just. I was ready to laugh this off, and it probably. It probably. It's what a relic. I mean, uh-huh. my gosh, just CD-ROM, just a random CD-ROM from 1995 could not be more 1995. I gotta say. Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just something that doesn't exist at all anymore. Uh, Entertainment Weekly gave it a solid B when they reviewed it. Hey, well. But they did say, this is my favorite review for anything of all time. All right? (laughs) I'm excited. Okay. (laughs) It's so dumb. Ready? They said that it had more bells and whistles than real train ride. (laughs) 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 I can just imagine, like, a a 1940s newspaper man. I am shocked that Bob Dylan managed to beat David Bowie Mm -hmm. in a mid-90s CD-ROM fight. Like that, who would have predicted that, Jake? Kyle, give me one guess as to who beat them both by about a year. We've talked talked about him uh, on this podcast. He is from your town, which you live in. Prince. 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 Uh, that came up in my re- in my review of David Bowie's CD because there was some like review that I thought of the two of them together like the two different CD okay runs. it might have been all from the same company because Bob Dylan's was from Maybe. the same company as Prince's it was called Prince Interactive and uh, Entertainment Weekly did agree that Bob Dylan's was better than Prince Interactive apparently oh I know well the one I read made it very clear that Prince's was better than than Bowie's so, so Bowie might lose the whole if so facto Bob Dylan. Beats Bowie. Oh, he beats son. Prince and David Bowie. Well, here's the problem we have. <laughs> At an interactive CD-ROM. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's be Dylan had nothing to do with it whatsoever. Oh, of course not. No, you know Bowie what? And Prince stuck their faces all into it and said, hey, it's got to be like this and this and this and this and this and messed it up. I That's won't, what happened. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> I will not pretend that Bob Dylan was, you know, writing code for this thing or anything like that. But he did. He did pick all the songs and he did pick all of the images and okay, know, graciously, right, well, graciously cool. opened his vaults or whatever everyone calls those things. Uh, you know, he's like, "Here's a here's a photo album, guys." I'm like, great, Bob. It's going to be real great. All right. What numbers did I just? Just give us whatever number I've not said yet. Okay, I think. Get on your list. I think you've only got Ruffle number. Up your notes. Let's see here. I'm just looking through my notes, everyone. Don't mind me. 
I'm only looking for some numbers. Uh, I think I, I think it's only number three. Is that number it? Number three was the f- literally the first one I said. No, number eight or nine or something. Number two was the yeah. first one you said. I don't know. I don't have number three. No. I didn't talk about it, so pick it. Well, number three then. <laughs> Which I most definitely said, and when I said two, I think that you heard the wrong one, and I think it's all your fault, and I hate you. Go ahead and number three. Wow! <laughs> that escalated very quickly. That's, I don't know why. <laughs> I, think, I think I killed a guy with I a trident. All right. Uh, number three is my very first concert, Chaz. During the year uh, of my very first Bob Dylan album, my very first concert was October 24th, 1995. The Jayhawks opened, and guess who was the headliner? One guess. David Bowie. David Bowie was not the headliner. Oh, well, then I don't know who it was, Jake. It was Bob Dylan. Please. <laughs> it was oh, Bob God. Dylan. This was killing me. I know. Yeah. Uh, I, I went with... first concert, 95. Yeah, I went with uh, Mike Cloutier and his parents, who dropped yeah. us off on the floor. Yeah. And uh, there was lots of marijuana being passed around. Uh-huh. And I was 14, so I did not smoke any. Um, <laughs> I looked at the set list of the concert recently, and I don't remember... I don't remember very much, so maybe there was like a lot of secondhand smoke there or something. A lot of uh, maybe there's some contact high yeah. or something yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, I remember. I remember. Tur- I remember like rainy day, twelve and thirty-five, of course. And I re- I'm looking at it right now. And knocking on heaven's door, I remember. And maybe desolation or all. I don't know. It was very much the same as uh, as the MTV Unplugged album, to be honest. Okay. All right. Yeah. Hey, nice so there you go. And the original iteration of the Jayhawks. was definitely not David Bowie. What was your first concert? It was a music festival. It was uh, mm, mm-hmm. X Fest or Edge Fest. Mm-hmm. I forget which, which it was at the time. I went to that one. I went with my, my girlfriend at the time, Keith Johnson. Oh, I remember her. And, uh, and her parents, because we were 14. I went in 97, so, you know, two years after you. Makes sense. Hey, hey. Uh, and the one day was like super heavy bands, and the next day was not. And super heavy, you like got to be too much. It was a full day while the bands. The only band that I remember playing was Green Day. And then the second day was more uh, relaxed stuff, which I enjoyed more. And the only band that I remember playing that day was uh, Ben Folds Five, who I really, really liked. Oh, yeah, they were great. But that was what made life was seeing them live. I didn't, I barely knew who they were, except for the song Brick. I didn't know who they were before that. And I saw them, like, dang, I gotta get their album, which I did. And then I ended up being, they ended up being one of my favorite albums. Dang, you said. I know, I said, dang. I went to the one. song is cool. I went to the one where Beck was on his Odelay tour, and he was, like, doing costume changes and stuff. It was amazing. Oh, man. So great. That was one of my great regrets. People I've ever seen live was Beck. Nothing cooler than mid-90s Beck. All right, hey, I think I'm I'm done, man. (laughs) Hey, great. The grab bag is over. Super long. Yeah, baby. Well, that's, you know, that's how it goes. No, that's how it goes. We're verbose as we get older, Greg. Yeah. Slightly older. Two, every two weeks. Every two Slightly weeks. Slightly longer just, before. I'm really starting to feel the last two weeks, i got to say. <laughs> hey. I'm hey. All right. Outside the album, first of all, BVD Award, Jake. BVD Award? What? Yeah, for Bowie's longest album. Whoa! Hey now. Yeah. It is the only one of his albums that would be a full two LP studio album. Wow. He's got multiple ones that would be like one and a half, that'd be like three sides. But this is the only one that would be a full four sides LP. Hmm. 
Uh, it is notably, it's one of his best like career albums. It's regularly seen as one of his like top three post-1980 albums, um, which I agree with. I think it is quite good. It's got a lot of really interesting stuff going on. Um, this is like, Prince was a really headphone album. There's so many tracks. Yeah, uh, that's you know, there's like, his diary, there's, 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 there's so many songs to 48 track, which he actually didn't like. He wanted more limitations. But there's tons of stuff going on in the back, and there's so much stuff going on in this mix. It's like kind of crazy. Um, I'll admit it's not perfect, but anyway, it means, uh, I think it's too long, actually. It's got these weird uh, things in place with different like dialogue done by different characters. Okay. Which are all Bowie's voice, but treated in different ways, including him doing a 14-year-old girl voice, which is really uh, like, <laughs> comical. <laughs> I don't know. Should he but not have it, done that? Is just, that a little too much? I know. It's just, it messes with it. Like, I see what he's going for. I don't think he was trying to be super serious, but it just... I don't like him. I would take all those out and a couple of the other Get him out of there. It's also kind of it's also kind of front loaded, which is notable. I talked about that the vinyl version was excerpts from outside, where it just took some of the songs. Uh, notably, it includes the first eight songs in order on, from the original album. Wow! All the six albums that are six songs are taken off are all from the back eleven, and so that kind of tells you a little bit about how it's a little front loaded. But it's still really quite a good album. Really interesting. Really unique. Swell. Um, and creatively, really, he was going places with that. Just swear. So I'm giving that, I'm giving that a two and a half. That's a pretty, wow. that's a pretty good score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good score. It's a good one. All it's right. a good one. Sweet. Uh, and then I started talking about earlier is that he's got a couple of kind of like quasi semi legal releases. Uh, but we had split very badly. It was a bad divorce with his management company in the late seventies into early eighties, and uh, the management company had. Like they owned some of the songs, in, but it was a bad deal that he bought out in 1997. Um, but they still had it in the mid 90s, and they started releasing albums from stuff like this. Of and so that's why semi uh, stuff they, they had some rights in this. They just didn't consult it before they started doing it. <laughs> why would they? Uh, we talked about one of them in 1984, which was a live album in that would later got an official release. A couple more very Bowie related ones came out in 94. One of them was called Rarest One Bowie. Uh-huh. A kind of like play on Changes One Bowie, his first greatest hits collection. Um, it features a bunch of rare tracks. Uh, eight of the nine of them had that were unreleased at the time. There's one studio recording, which is notably Bowie's version of All the Young, or All the young Dudes. Oh, nice. Yeah, 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 which was really exciting. It was the first release of that. Um, seven of them were, or the other eight were all live tracks, seven of them unreleased. Except for the one which was on the previous year's 1972 live album that they had just released. Okay. Not really sure why they did that. <laughs> to make some sweet cash, maybe? <laughs> well, I don't know. They had plenty of other stuff. To swim around like screaming. And so most stuff. of them have been released now. There's still three or four of them that have never gotten another release on anything from Bowie, which is kind of interesting. Um, this is kind of a weird, like, point. This is why I was going to talk about how many points to even do this out of. Right. Um, because normally we do, like, compilations. I, there's not enough here, because it's only, like, 35 minutes long. It's not very long. Yeah. Um, I thought that we should do it out of two points, was my decision. It didn't feel like enough to be a full live album or something. And I'm giving it one. Okay. It's got some interesting stuff in there. It's got some really interesting tracks. And just, I mean, Bowie's version of All the Young Dudes Alone was a pretty hot thing to include. The other thing that came out from the same main man... Was the name of the record label was uh, something from Eva Cherry, who is not known at all, but was 
Bowie's girlfriend in the mid-70s, and he had started making an album for her uh, under the band name The Astronauts in 73 and 74. And they recorded quite a bit, just a bunch of stuff. It was uh, They weren't done yet, but it kind of got abandoned because that's what Bowie does, is he gets excited about stuff, and he forgets about it sometimes. <laughs> um, of course. So it was an abandoned side project for Bowie, working with his girlfriend, Ava Cherry. So it got a release uh, from Ava, like just credit to Ava Cherry and the astronauts. The name of the album was People from Bad Homes. Um, it's Bowie is playing somewhere on all the tracks, and he wrote most of them, of our, our covers. Um so there's some interesting stuff. Some of the songs were recycled by Bowie for later on. It was all in use. Um, but it's not it's not amazing. It's just not incredible. I'm not good at any points in that one. That's just a zero. All right. But worth noting. Singles. Bowie has only two singles in 1995. I bet you were thinking he had like nine, but only yeah, two in 1995. Yeah, I know. I'm shocked. I'm very shocked. I know. Uh, the first one is the lead single off of Outside is Heart's Filthy Lesson. Which is very, it's a very industrial, it's one of the most industrial tracks on there. Uh, the video is notable, Jake. I've got some notes on the video. Okay. We've, we've, uh, we've talked together about mid 90s music videos. Absolutely. And I think this will just like come into your hair. <laughs> so ready. the video includes such tropes as women with shaved heads, <laughs> yeah. uh, stuff being sawed, <laughs> uh, a, a humunculus. A what? Uh, it's in sepia tone. Oh, sepia tone. And ratty working class clothing. Oh, yeah. In an industrial building. Oh, definitely. Like, literally industrial mm-hmm. music. Yep, got it. Oh, yeah, this, this video could be, like, they could have just swapped a couple of things out, and it could have been uh, Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Yeah. Like, it was yeah, that's what that sounded like to me. That's what it sounded like. There's stuff going on in this. <laughs> uh, it was interesting, whatever. It looks like all of that kind of... It was just a very much a thing of the time, you know. Any yeah. sales videos all looked like that. Smashing Pumpkins videos all looked like that. Oh, yeah. Bowie's video looked like that, too. Uh, the song is pretty good. I'm giving it a point five. Um, his other single is Strangers When We Meet, which is a strange choice for a single to me. It is maybe the least representative song on the album of what the album's all about. Um, it's actually a re-recording of a song that appeared on his previous album, that, uh, the immediately previous album, Buddha of Suburbia. And uh, it didn't make the cut to excerpts from outside. Oh. Which is interesting then that it became the second single. Of yeah. It's, so. <laughs> it's Bowie in ballad mode. No. Uh, and I don't, I'm just not as big as ballads. Some people really like his ballads. It's hit or miss. Hit or miss. It's hit or miss. I don't know. Uh, it's not an awful song, but it's not a great song. I'm going zero points on that too. All right. And finally, he toured. He performed with Nine Inch Nails. Um, It was really aggressively different, and he had a really strong band behind him, and especially coming off of the other tours he'd done before. Actually, Tin Machine was a a recently good live band. They were much better live than they were in a studio, but compared to his tours in the 80s, this is much better, much better. Um, I think it's a good, solid tour, and I give that a one. Okay. So we ended up with uh, Fiverr. Fiverr for The big five. The big I'm curious five to see what we have with Dylan, because Dylan's got a lot of stuff going on. He's got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, so um, his, so. Al- his album is not as strong. So what he did was he That's released he released MTV Unplugged, which, you know, basically functions as a, as a you know, kind of slightly more interesting greatest hits package. Yeah, I can see it. It's got a lot of greatest hits on it. There's only 11 songs on it. Um, but he also did some interesting things, you know, not not quite as interesting as, like, Nirvana would have done, or Nirvana did do with the form. Did but he, do. 
But, uh, you know, he did like one really old song that he had reworked and then he did a song called Dignity, which was an outtake from the uh, Oh Mercy sessions way back then. Okay. Um, and he released that as a single, which I thought was pretty interesting. And it's actually, it's, it's a banger. It's a really good song. It kind of saw the light of day again. Um, you know, I have some personal attachment to it because it was my first Bob Dylan album. Right. Uh, right. My, my second one, of course, was Live at Budokan, the 1978 <laughs> double album. Why did you start with this live album? It's like, what? I don't know, Chaz. I mean, talk to 14-year-old me who's wandering around the used record store. <laughs> I did. I did talk to I mean, go back and talk to me this. as an adult. This. I mean, you know, you just wandered around used record stores back then, or CD stores back then. It was just yeah. like, oh, Bob Dylan, I know that, him. And it would be like $3 or something, and you just... I mean, my, my second... I didn't my, know anything. I think my first... My first Pink Floyd album was a momentary lapse of reason, so, you know. <laughs> and yet you still like Pink Floyd. I'm pretty sure that was at your recommendation, too. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> my taste was really good. Hey, we didn't even have the internet. We just were like, hey, Bob Dylan, I've heard of him. I mean, he was in Rolling Stone. Nirvana was in Spin. I just wandered around buying stuff, you know. It was easy. It was easy. It's a miracle I'm still a Bob Dylan fan, though, to be honest, or that I got started. Uh, anyway, so I'm going to give Unplugged a plus 1.5. He sounds he sounds energized. He sounds good. He brought his touring band in. Um, he's kind of wearing like a he's wearing a very similar sort of like polka dotted blouse as and Ray Bans as he would have back in the back in the mid sixties. So he was kind of like feeling nostalgic, but it's it kind of rocks. It's kind of yeah, those sixties Ray Bans. Yeah, he's got the he's got the sixties Ray Bans, and his hair looks the same no matter what age or. Time period yeah, is so yeah. it's it's out there. It's out there. All right. Uh, the, he, I can understand that Bowie never did an unplugged session, but he, I think I it was him at the time. He wasn't ready to like do. He didn't to get installed. Yeah, he wasn't doing data sets. Right. Instead, he was doing like he was in you know, later night. He was doing DJ DJ sets and stuff like that. That's right. what he was doing. He was in denial about. He wasn't ready about his legacy rock act. Oh well, yeah, and then early, you know, early, late. They turned things around and did a VH with the storytellers, right. which is terrible. Just so, awful. <laughs> Just god awful. <laughs> yeah. We missed out on it. Unplugged. Uh, yeah, that's okay. I mean, Unplugged was like a moth to flame. It just... It just blew up, just blew up, <laughs> flew away on yeah. fire. All right, so uh, his first signal, uh, signal, single was called Dignity. As I said, it's a banger. It's a great song, a good, a good gem. So I give that a plus one. Uh, his second one was Knocking on Heaven's Door, which, you know, what a great song. And I, I wanted to give it a full plus one, but he does this weird thing that he does from time to time where he'll sing, he'll sing a harmony part. Instead of the instead of the melody that everyone recognizes, and mm. it's just, I, 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 I hate when they do that. Me too. Does anyone oh, really? On, does anyone really like that? Come on, guys. Come hey, hey, guys, would you stop it? I know you. I know you sang it two thousand times in concert. I I just need it to be the same. The same, please. <laughs> I just need it this two thousand one, and then you can go on and do whatever you want. Okay. Oh, Zobs and Frau. Uh, I give that a plus point five because it's still knocking on heaven's door. It's still really good. <laughs> it's just like I'm annoyed with him. I'm annoyed with him. All right, uh, the never-ending tour because he played an astonishing 115 shows that year. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm jacking this up, and I'm gonna wrap in. I'm gonna wrap in the Sinatra 80th birthday concert because I can't give that points by itself, but it's kind of a live thing, and it was so incredible. So I'm gonna give the I'm gonna give the entire tour a plus one. 
point zero, as I'm wont to do from time to time. Um, and then, do you think, now, you gave some points to Bowie for his CD-ROM, but he contributed, like, an entire album or something to that. Was that what, how that works? Well, he was, he was much more involved. He was very involved in it. And it was, it was basically done as a single. Like, he didn't, he did that as a tour. So, I don't, I, he, yeah. like, recorded new stuff for it. He did a bunch of stuff for it. And yeah. it, had, it didn't have, like, archival stuff. It had just videos and stuff for his new stuff. Yeah, okay, all right. So that's fine. So the yeah, Dylan doesn't get any points for that. So he's just going to come. No, up. I wouldn't think so. He's going to come just, up. If he just signed his name at the bottom of the form and, and went on his way, I would think that's no pointer. Well, he gave stuff to them. Like he told them which music to use and not that's to true. use. But I, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll just. I wouldn't give it a full point anyway. I'd probably give it like a half a point. So yeah. I'll just give it zero points. And Bob Dylan falls just short with a plus four point zero. Okay. Right. So even if it's with a half point, he's still went to one. That's exactly. See what I mean? I'd have to really stretch yeah. it out to get right. the tie. Yeah. So did I do that? Hey. 2.5, 3.54. Yeah. No, no, wait. We did it. Hold on a second. No, I, you're right. Four caught. Four. Four got it. Nailed it. Can't <laughs> do right. math. All right. Sorry, everyone. The 90s are always a I have no clue who's going to win in the 90s. Most no, the it's, a, it's a total crapshoot. You know, like the 60s boys, or Dylan's going to win. The 70s boys going to win. The, 80, the first half of the 80s boys going to win. The second half, Dylan's going to win. Maybe. <laughs> when peaks. Right. The 90s are a crapshoot. The they really are. Gonna win because Bowie didn't do anything. I just the had such a... Also, the teens are also a crapshoot. The 90s just give me such a funny feeling when I look over all this stuff. It just All this stuff is so 90s in a way that it's hard yeah. to explain. It's just like all this stuff just came tumbling out and everyone was well, paying cash are, money they're, for music they're far all over the back place. For us, for them to see us see the difference, we also like lived cognitively through the 90s. No? Right. Yeah, I know it was Just 20 like it's the 80s. It was 24 years ago. That's crazy. And the 2000s weren't like long enough. Like we don't it's hard to see all the differences and how ridiculous some of the stuff was mm-hmm. in the 90s. I see it. I see how ridiculous it all is. Mm-hmm. Hey. Hey. Uh, next episode, I already forgot what the next episode is. Did you said in 2008? Yep. <laughs> we sure did, man. Well, I can remember 2006 or 2008. 2008. Yeah, let's see 2008. I don't feel like doing another good Bob Dylan album yet. That's 2006. <laughs> okay. 2008 next, folks. And uh, I have anything else to say. It's been a long episode. Let's it just, sure uh, has. Let's just call it. Let's just call it a day. Hey, everyone. Congratulations on your Grammys. <laughs> for work you did in hey, I'm 2000. I'm and I like Bowie. Uh, I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. See you next time. Bye.